Hello, listeners, and welcome to the 25th episode of the Always Drive podcast, your weekly look at the latest news from the car, truck, and motorcycle industries where we take everything but ourselves seriously. I'm your host, Devlin Riggs, and I'm slightly concussed this week, I think. Uh, I may have mentioned before that I play soccer a couple of nights a week in a few teams of varying quality. Uh, it It's not the that one one team is bad and the other is good. It's just each team could be bad or good, depending on the week. Uh, Yesterday was a very, very bad game in which I played in goal, uh, which is uh, one of my natural positions. And uh, while saving a shot, I got absolutely clobbered uh, by some girl's knee uh, who came in late uh, trying to score on me. And not to worry, she did that plenty of other times throughout the game. Uh, This generous skull crushing provided me the opportunity to explain the big purple and red marks on my forehead in a couple of different client meetings today for my real actual job, uh, which I feel like I probably could have done without. Uh, In any case, if the jokes this week are extra bad, I'm going to blame that girl's big freaking knee. So here are your top stories. So what is the deal with Honda? I'm so glad you asked. Uh, well, apart from the Civic Type R, I haven't had much of a reason to talk about Honda recently. Uh, but things have been going uh, about what you would expect them to be. Uh, sales are pretty good, uh, especially of the CRV and CHR compact crossovers. Uh, they're still selling pilots, and the new Ridgeline is getting really good reviews. Um, the Accord, meanwhile, it it's seen some better days with sales slumping along with the rest of the mid-sized sedan class. Uh, Toyota's new aggressive Camry is really hoping to reinvigorate the segment, uh, so we're waiting to see, we were waiting to see how Honda would react given a new Accord is due soon. Well, last week, uh, right after dropping the podcast, we found out uh, with the debut of the 2018 Honda Accord, which takes a very different path than the Toyota Camry. Uh, Whereas Toyota keeps the same general proportions and amps up the style and features, uh, the Accord has been lengthened and stiffened and reshaped to look more like one of those four-door coupes that are so popular these days. Uh, This means a smaller trunk lid that actually lifts with the glass of the rear window in a sort of fastback type of way, but not in the, the cool old Mustang fastback type of way. Uh, While trying to make the sedan look more like a coupe, Honda has also killed off the actual two-door Accord coupe, which is a shame since I I thought that was probably the best-looking Honda uh, and has been since uh, probably the the S2000. Uh, The result of trying to make this look more coupe-like, though, means it looks quite a lot like the really hideously ugly Accord Crosstour but with the back sort of smashed down a bit, uh, kind of like it, it looks sort of like uh, when you're trying to stuff your oversized carry-on bag into the overhead compartment of an aircraft, and you got that sort of smashed down one side of it. That, that's how the new Accord looks. Anyway, styling changes extend around the front where the Accord gets that same hideous sort of plastic unibrow tre- treatment that the new Civic has. Um, although... Honda did manage to de-beak the Acura 
brand, I guess they're still trying to give it a comeback in plastic form on their non-premium models, which is a damn shame. Uh, they've also changed the engine choices for the first time in, in what seems like forever. Instead of uh, a four or six cylinder, you now have the choice of a turbo four or a turbo four. Um, one's a one and a half liter and the other's a two liter, uh, the latter being derived from the Civic Type R, but detuned and with different components, meaning it makes significantly less power and requires premium fuel even to make that amount of power. Frustratingly, it makes even less power than the V6 did from the previous model on regular unleaded and requires you to wind it up a little bit more to extract the most power out of the turbocharger. Honestly, it's kind of hard to see where the new Accord is better than the old one, which is a real shame. I, I get what Honda is trying to do here, molding the Accord into something that they think buyers will want, and I'm sure they have the focus groups and consumer data to back it up, but it's just not as exciting or interesting as the new Camry is versus the previous generation. Uh, and instead of a refinement meant to attract buyers back to a, a struggling segment, it seems more like a concession that the mid-sized sedans just won't ever be popular again and that the Accord uh, needs to become something different to stay relevant. And, uh, I mean, one thing is for sure, and that is that in a couple of years, we'll know whether Honda or Toyota made the right call on their mid-size car uh, refreshes. Uh, there's a, a bunch of motorsport news this week. Uh, Formula One uh, has been trying to improve driver safety for a few years now after a couple of incidents have sent pieces of flying cars or entire flying cars uh, into the uh, cockpits of other F1 cars. Um, they're, they've been testing two potential solutions to uh, the flying debris problem, the first being a windshield, uh, which was tested by Sebastian Vettel, whose uh, team had to take it off after just a few laps because of the curvature of the shield uh, caused such a distortion to his vision that it made Seb dizzy, and the wind buffeting coming from over the top of the windshield kept pushing his head downward. Um, unsurprisingly, uh, disoriented drivers who get neck aches from being battered by the wind, uh, probably not such a great thing for race competitions. Um, so it, it's not surprising that this week, uh, F1 announced that the section, second option, a so-called halo would be fitted to cars starting next season. The halo, which looks uh, a lot more like a thong or a part of a flip-flop that goes over your foot and between your toes and much less like a halo is almost universally hated by teams with uh, nine of the 10 teams saying that they don't want it despite the additional safety that it provides. Uh, not only is it big and ugly, it creates aerodynamic problems. There's this big sort of carbon fiber Y pillar directly in front of the driver's view. And you sort of want them to see where they're going when they're driving 200 miles an hour. And there's a gap between the car and the halo large enough for some decent-sized debris, say, a suspension spring like the one that penetrated Felipe Massa's helmet a couple years. Uh, it could fit through that gap. Needless to say, 
Formula One needs to refine this further or just go the final step and close the cockpit in like they've done in the Le Mans series. I mean, there was a big deal when Le Mans decided to close off its LMP1 and LMP2 cars, but we really have not seen uh, you know, any drastic effects on the sport since then. So I, I don't think that you'd see that in F1 either. It'll still remain open wheel, obviously. Uh, but speaking of Le Mans, uh, you may recall that in my coverage of the 24 hours of Le Mans that I mentioned that Porsche is thinking about pulling out of the Le Mans Prototype 1 or LMP1 class because of the costs associated with it. This would leave Toyota as the only participant in the top class, despite the fact that not one of their three cars actually completed the 24 hours of Le Mans. Um, while we haven't yet heard whether or not Porsche will stay, we did hear this week that Team Just, the folks behind the Audi team that absolutely dominated the LMP Class 1 uh, before uh, Dieselgate cost-cutting caught up with the Audi team, uh, they will be running the Mazda manufacturer team in the International Motorsports Association races next year. Uh, this is commonly, commonly abbreviated IMSA. Uh, and IMSA, despite its name, is <laughs> strictly North American. Uh, and it doesn't have the sort of, you know, sexy appeal of the Le Mans series. But what it does have is its own set of rules that don't require manufacturers spend a shit ton of money just to have the most technologically advanced vehicles ever made taking part in each race and then breaking down. Uh, the lower cost and simpler rules of uh, IMSA's classes have attracted a number of manufacturers, including Acura, Cadillac, Mazda, and Nissan, all of whom run vehicles in the top echelon of the IMSA series. Uh, Mazda has had an especially bad run recently with their cars constantly breaking down, so Team Just is stepping in uh, in the hopes of bringing the same sort of success they had with their Audi team to Mazda. So while Le Mans is uh, losing manufacturer support and potentially losing one of two existing competitors into its top class, IMSA is growing. So what's going to be the more exciting racing series to watch next year, especially if Porsche drops out of LMP1? My money is on IMSA. And and back to Formula One for just a minute. If If I told you... 79-year-old Rosemary Smith, you, you might think I'd finish the sentence with something like crocheted a lovely pair of socks for her great-grandchildren or won at bingo for a record 12 straight cards this week. Uh, but you probably wouldn't be expecting me to say drove an 800-horsepower Renault Formula One car. But that's exactly what happened. Uh, Rosemary Smith is indeed 79, but at that right old age is a rally driver and runs her own driving school. Uh, Renault invited the Irish woman to France as part of uh, their 40th anniversary of Renault's involvement in Formula One. There, she became the oldest person to ever drive a Formula One car. Uh, so congratulations to Rosemary, who does actually spend most of her time as a seamstress, so uh, she may be crocheting some socks. Uh, but keep, uh, keep breaking those stereotypes, Rosemary. Good on you. Uh, that's it for our top stories. We're going to go ahead with some quick hits. A study released last week tabulated the approximate costs of parking across several countries, and the results were surprising, depressing, and probably only going to get worse. 
An NREX poll of almost 18,000 drivers discovered that New Yorkers spend on average 107 hours every year looking for a parking spot, while the average motorist will spend $345 in fuel costs every year while searching for a parking spot. Nationwide, this costs us a collective $72.7 billion every year, which is staggering but could probably be quickly remedied if everyone just took the first spot you saw and walked your fat ass the extra 100 feet into Walmart. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that many millions of drivers still haven't gotten their recalled Takata airbags fixed, and a few weeks ago, another individual died as a result of shrapnel caused by an exploding Takata airbag. Well, to those of you who have replaced the airbag, good job, but you're not exactly out of the woods. The National Highway Transportation Administration announced this week that they're concerned that the 100 million or so replacement airbags may also be dangerous, which could prompt another recall, which would be on the heads of the manufacturers this time now that Dakota has declared bankruptcy. The last time something this bad happened twice, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen actually refused to take part in it. And yes, that's a full house joke, so deal with it. Audi was forced to apologize this week after airing an ad in which the company compared women to used cars. The, while the ad has been pulled after initially airing in theaters and on television, you can still find this gem online. The truly awful premise is that a Chinese mother stops a wedding to physically inspect the bride before giving her the okay to marry her son. The ad closes with a plug for Audi's certified used vehicle program, thereby drawing a parallel between Audi's checking out its used cars and mothers checking out their son's pre-owned wives. Needless to say, the shallow sexism was not too well received, despite the fact that the mother did actually give her approval. See guys, it all ends fine, right? Harley-Davidson uh, selfly spent time a few weeks ago getting everyone in Ryder, North Dakota trained and registered to drive a motorcycle as part of their push to get 2 million new riders on bikes by the year 2027. Despite their efforts, they're off to a pretty bad start with large motorcycle registrations actually down 7% this year. That has also had an effect on Harley sales with accessory sales down 17%. And that's all the t-shirts and jackets that Harley true believers and their family members buy every year and wear every day in the hopes that you'll ask them about their bike and then have the next couple hours free so that they can scroll through all the photos of it on their phone for you. After 40 years in production with only very minor updates, at least to the exterior, uh, the 300,000th Mercedes-Benz Galendewagen or G-Wagon has rolled off the production line in Austria. While that may not sound uh, like many models, or it may sound like a long time, given that more than 330,000 Nissan Rogues sold last year alone, remember that the G-Wagon started out life as a humble farm truck and somehow rapidly morphed into an insanely expensive toy for rich people who would never fully utilize its capabilities. Today, the G-Wagon starts at $122,000, which could explain the relatively limited pool of individuals who could afford to help inflate the model's sales figures. So, congratulations to Mercedes, whose marketing people have had more luck with trophy wives than I ever will. That joke's gonna get me slapped. Uh, Lucid Motors has been talking up their plans to raise money to construct a plant to begin producing their first electric vehicle, the Lucid Air, by 2018. 
This week, we found out that the company has tried to take the best possible shortcut to having a lot of money, which is, of course, being bought by a company that has a lot of money, namely Ford. Unfortunately for Lucid, uh, Ford's undergoing a bit of a rethink after their uh, new CEO uh, replaced Mark Fields, uh, and no decision is likely to come soon on that front. Lucid's battery technology and their working prototype, which just reached 235 miles per hour last week on a test track, may be pretty attractive to Ford, whose electric focus is just about as attractive to buyers as a week-old squid left out in the sun. Speaking of skunky Fords, you may remember a couple of weeks ago, a shipment of Ford Fusions coming from Mexico were discovered in Canada with their spare tires replaced with hundreds of pounds of marijuana. Well, guess what happened again? Uh, yes, this time the cars were found in Youngstown, Ohio, chock full of about a million bucks in weed, which probably wasn't claimed by the desired recipient, if I were to guess. Uh, I mentioned last time this happened that someone at Ford Fusion Plant in uh, Hermosillo had some splaining to do, and uh, by the looks of things, they either splained it just fine, or Ford's execs took one big, long toke and then just forgot about the whole damn thing. In local news, a 65-year-old resident from North St. Louis returned home from the gym to find a GMC Envoy parked square in the middle of his roof. Uh, it turns out the man lives at the end of a dead-end road where there is a slight berm, which the driver of the Envoy, who's apparently fine, used as a ramp to launch his SUV onto the top of the small home. Uh, this follows another recent incident here where a couple leaving the gym in downtown St. Louis returned to find their Toyota Camry completely swallowed by a massive sinkhole in the middle of 6th Street. The lesson here, obviously, is if you live in St. Louis, don't go to the gym. Bad things happen when you go to the gym. Finally, uh, it may not have the social or scientific benefit of the ice bucket challenge, but this summer's viral sensation is still fun and actually has an automotive element to it. Uh, while in St. Louis, drive-bys happen almost every day and involve gunfire, the drive-by dunk challenge involves, well, dunking. Uh, basically, you drive down a street, spot a basketball hoop in somebody's driveway, park, grab a basketball, leap out of your car, and go dunk on the unsuspecting homeowner's hoop, jump back in your car, all while your friend films you. It's all a bit of cheeky fun, right up until someone tries it in St. Louis and gets shot. Now for some new cars. Even though the Porsche Cayman fighting Alpina A110 isn't even in European dealerships yet, uh, the reborn French manufacturer has just announced plans that the Cayman isn't the only Porsche they want to take down. Uh, any, anyone want to guess what the next model they're targeting is? Uh, if you've been paying attention to sales trends and just looking at other cars on the road, you will not be surprised to hear that the second car from Alpina will be a compact crossover meant to take on the Porsche Macan. Uh, we don't know much about it at this point, but it'll probably share a lot with the A110 in terms of styling and power, and will make every effort to save weight and be nimble and fun to drive uh, for, for a compact crossover. Uh, it seems like the Lotus Evora has been on sale for decades now, uh, but that hasn't stopped the British company from launching a new version of the car every year or so. And for 2017, we're getting the Evora GT430, which is the fastest looking and indeed most powerful Lotus in the company's history. 
It's been given an updated version of the supercharged uh, 3.5 liter V6, which makes 430 horsepower, thus the GT430, and 325 pounds of torque, um, foot-pounds of torque, uh, and it'll sprint the car to 60 miles an hour in just 3.7 seconds, which is pretty damn quick. Uh, we're still waiting on several new cars from the company, uh, which was recently purchased by Geely, which of course also owns Volvo. Um, but Lotus is hoping that this will tide you over for now, uh, at least uh, if you are part of the uh, crew of 60 people who can afford to buy the limited production two-seater. Uh, while we've known this has been coming for some time and we've seen the concepts, the Mercedes-Benz X-Class has finally debuted in production form uh, this week in Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, the luxury pickup truck, which shares a platform with the Nissan Navara and Renault Alaskan, which you probably have never heard of because they don't sell it here, uh, looks pretty plush, uh, but definitely has a more utilitarian-style interior than most Mercedes. Uh, it'll start at about $42,000, but don't try paying for it in dollars because you won't be able to get it in America. Uh, sorry, I know so many people were looking forward to buying a Mercedes pickup. Just so many of you. Uh, journalists, uh, you know, the ones who, who get paid to write about cars rather than the, the ones who just do it out of the goodness of their own hearts, for you few, very few listeners, uh, got a chance to drive the Buick Regal GS this week, and by all accounts, it seems like a pretty entertaining drive. Uh, it sports a 310 horsepower V6 and torque vectoring all-wheel drive, as well as a somewhat excessive-sounding 9-speed automatic gearbox. Uh, despite the lack of manual and the fact that it's a heavy car built on the Chevy Malibu platform, the GS was apparently fun to drive, comfortable, and attractive-looking. Not that I'd know, because I guess my invitation got lost in the mail. Hit me up, Buick. Um... That's pretty much it for this week's news. I'm going to try to come back with a deep dive next week. Uh, but for this week's call to action, I, I'd like you to ask you guys to do something special uh, for someone in need. Uh, there's a story out of Springfield, Missouri this week that, that just really pissed me off. Um, as a brief recap, there's a, a seven-year-old named Nino Welcome uh, who suffers from a rare genetic disorder called Leshnyam Syndrome. Uh, which has confined him to a wheelchair for his life, um, uh, meaning he'll probably never get to drive a car. But despite this, he, like I, all of us, are is a real car nut. And for his seventh birthday, his grandfather restored a 1970 Mustang Mach 1, which he gave to Nino. And by gave, I mean he takes him for drives in it. Uh, that's not the part that pissed me off. Anyway, uh, this week some assholes broke into the car and set off a bunch of fireworks, which, as you can imagine, just torched the car, ruining the grandfather's restoration work and robbing Nino of one of his favorite things in the world. We don't know if this was a targeted attack or a random act of idiocy, but either way, someone who doesn't deserve it is suffering because of the just evil nature of some shitheads. Uh, the problem here is that there will always be shitheads, but there will also be you guys, you good people who are out there making the world a better place. I assume shitheads don't listen to my podcast. Anyway, we can't just balance out the shitheads. We have to beat them, and that means going out there and putting in some extra effort to make sure people remember that there's more good than bad to this planet that uh, we call home.
So with that, thank you for listening. Uh, thanks to Nicholas Falcon for our intro song. I'm going to leave you this week with a, uh, a just a sick burnout from a Ford GT from the Carlisle Ford Nationals in Pennsylvania. Here, friends, is your moment of zen. Mm-hmm.